Sermon number 632, The Right to be Called Christians, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Sunday, January 14, 1973. The text, Acts, the 11th chapter, the 26th verse, and in Antioch the disciples were for the first time called dis Christians. The Acts of the Apostles, the 11th chapter, beginning at the 19th verse. The believers were scattered by the persecution which took place when Stephen was killed. Some of the believers went as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, telling the message to Jews only. But some of the believers, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and told the message to Gentiles also, preaching to them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's power was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. The news about this reached the church in Jerusalem, so that they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw how God had blessed the people, he was glad and urged them all to be faithful and true to the Lord with all their hearts. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, the two met with the people of the church and taught a large group. And it was at Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. Now about that time, some prophets went down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up, and by the power of the Spirit, predicted that a great famine was about to come all over the earth. Well, it did come when Claudius was emperor. The disciples decided that each of them would send as much as he could to help their brothers who lived in Judea. They did this then and sent the money to the church elders by Barnabas and Saul. It was at Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. But why Antioch? First, it's rather hard to understand. We could understand, though, that if the Bible said that it was in Bethlehem that the disciples were first called Christians, because was it not in that little town of Bethlehem in ancient Judea that God first revealed his son on that first Christmas? Was it not in that city that shepherds came from the fields and wise men came from the east and came to the manger and bowed down and worshipped the little baby who was to become king and they offered their gold and their frankincense and myrrh? Undoubtedly, something more is necessary than just making the annual pilgrimage to historic or symbolic Bethlehem at Christmas or some other time, or even 
more necessary than just giving of your gifts to give one the right to be called a Christian. Why Antioch? Why not Jerusalem? There are many followers of Jesus in Jerusalem, were there not? Look at Palm Sunday, the great multitude lined the parade route, shouting their hosannas when Jesus came riding upon the pole of an ass. Granted, he didn't have too many friends in Jerusalem on Good Friday, but after the Easter, that first Easter, many people, many people could proclaim with doubting Thomas when in the presence of the resurrected Lord, this disciple fell down on his knees and claimed my Lord and my God. 3,000 people, we are told, 50 days after the first Easter, when they realized that that spirit which Joe prophesied and Jesus promised had come into their midst in Jerusalem. And that Pentecost day, 3,000 people became a part of a fellowship which later we called the church. Sure, there must have been some disciples in Jerusalem and we wonder why it was not in Jerusalem that the disciples were first called Christians, but it wasn't in Jerusalem, it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. You see, the disciples must have done something different, something new in Antioch than they had done in either Jerusalem or Bethlehem or any other city of the then known world. And I think our scripture, which we read today, gives us some insight and hint as to what some of those things might have been that the disciples accomplished which earned rightfully for them that particular trademark of Christian. And when you mull over that scripture, you begin to see, I think, that one of the things which earned them that nickname, which has lasted now for nearly 2,000 years, was that in the spirit of the Messiah they dared to make others aware of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They dared to make others aware of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember, these disciples were not in Antioch out of choice. They were there because they had been driven there. They were there to escape the persecution that was going on in Jerusalem of those particular Jews, and may we remember that all people who became followers of Jesus, practically all of them came from the Jewish tradition and were Jews by birth. These people fled because of the great persecution that was going on in Jerusalem about those Jews who had defected to follow Christ. The persecution which reached its climax in the tragic stoning of Stephen. And when these newfound babes in Christ realized 
that religion could be filled with so much hate that it could bring religious people to murder, they ran for their lives. Some went to Cyprus, others to Cyrene, some to Phoenicia, and some came to Antioch. And there the ones who came to Antioch realized before long that they were in the midst of something the like of which they had never seen before. They were with Gentiles. In that particular day, you see, as far as a Jew is concerned, the world was divided into two types of people. You were either a Jew or a non-Jew. And if you were a non-Jew, by the Jew you were called a Gentile. Now the Jews didn't like the Gentiles very much, and I think the feeling was reciprocal. But for the first time, these Jewish followers of Christ, instead of living as a majority, realized that they were a minority. Now they were in Gentile country, and the people that they met were different. Their clothes were different, their customs were different, their characteristics were different, their conditioning was different, their, their convictions were different, and maybe even the color of their skin was different. But they realized in these Gentiles the need for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So for the first time in the history of the early church, they began to present and to make aware other people than Jews of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, granted, there, there had been other, perhaps, Gentiles who had come into the faith individually. You'll remember that it was who? Philip, who preached to the Samaritans, but remember the Samaritans were half Jews. And uh, yes, it was Cornelius who came into the church as a Gentile through the introduction of Peter. But please remember, if you read your Bibles, you will find out he came in more through his own insistence than he did from the invitation of Peter. But for the first time, those disciples deliberately, according to a plan and with a purpose, went out to win people for Jesus Christ, other people than their own kind. And according to the scripture, it says there, I believe in the 24th church, the 24th verse, they brought, brought people to Jesus Christ. For the first time, the gospel was presented not only in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria, but in that particular portion which Jesus was referring to when he said, even unto the ends of the earth. And these disciples dared to make aware others of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they brought them to the Lord and to the church. When was the last time you brought somebody to Jesus Christ? When was the last time you even brought somebody to church? Yet we wonder why church membership and attendance at worship is declining, 
and why in this great nation that we like to call a Christian nation seems to be so powerless in the face of war and poverty and racism. You know, I think one of the reasons could be that some of us do not dare to share with others and to make others aware of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope to be doing something about that in 1973. A week ago yesterday was the official beginning of what is called Key 73. I hope you're going to be hearing much about this program that is not only in America but in the entire continent of North America. It's a program to try to make people evangelists and to help us in helping others to make them aware of Jesus Christ. This church is both to be a part of that particular continent-wide effort to confront this particular continent with Jesus Christ. We are, in this church, have a, we have a committee, we hope, will we'll present unique and different plans to help you to dare to make others aware of Jesus Christ. We're joined with other churches in the community and in the Gibsonia, Valencia area, you will find programs, I hope, going on through this year, not only individually in this church and simultaneously in all the other Christian churches, but also cooperatively with our brothers in Christ. We shall be trying to present the gospel in a daring and a wearing way so that the unchurched and those who know not Christ, those foreigners, those people outside our walls, may come inside and know Jesus. It's not going to be easy and it's going to require more than prayer and program. It's going to require participation on your part and your part and on mine. And I know this is going to be offensive to some of our people. And I know it's going to be very difficult for others. But before you say no, please remember that it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. And I think one of the reasons they were called Christians was because they dared to make others aware of Jesus Christ. And also because they dared to care for each other. They were not like a lot of churches. They're so interested only in evangelism or only in mission that they cared for they forget to take care of their own people. They were not interested, you see, in, in just getting people to join the church and then forget about them. No, once they got them into their particular fold, 
And as I tried to show you, they didn't do that by just putting a welcome sign out in front of their fellowship hoping that somebody would come. They didn't do that just by sitting back hoping that somebody would knock on the door and ask some questions. They went out and got them. Following the Great Commission, go ye into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And then they brought them in, and when they brought them in, they cared for each other. They didn't just hand them some book and let them go on their own. They just didn't say, we'll pray for you, brother. They took care of their own. Some churches today, it's popular only to talk about the people out there. And we forget about the people in here. They didn't do that. Now they went and got the best high-powered people and personnel they could find. From Jerusalem came Barnabas, and when Barnabas came and saw how the Lord was working in the midst of these new babes in Christ in Antioch, he knew he had to get help, and he went to Tarsus, and he got Saul, and the two of them came back, and for one year, the Bible says, one year they taught the people in large groups. They taught them how, what it means as a Christian to carry a cross. They taught them how to persevere in love and how to forgive 70 times, 7 times. They taught them how to be Christians, Christians who would dare to make others aware of them, and Christians who would dare to care for their own. One of the arguments that I have with some of my colleagues in the church who seem to be so great in criticizing the church, even when they're right in their criticism, it kind of bothers me because some of them seem so bent on preserving the purity of the church that they forsake the unity of the church. Purity is important, and my, yes, the church has got to change to make so many of its injustices right. But I'm not sure you do it by tearing away at its unity. I think one of the reasons why so many people on church rolls today are finding it hard to live as Christians and why so many churches are finding it so difficult to fulfill the mandate to be the body of the Christ in the world today is simply because we have really not cared enough for the people when we have brought them into the fellowship. We haven't dared to care enough for them, to listen to them, and talk with them, and pray with them, that sometimes they become frightened and afraid, and instead of being of the army of Christ, whether they realize it or not, they are the enemy of Christ's church. And then criticism starts, and whenever criticism becomes greater in a church than compassion, we're in trouble. And whenever competition becomes more important than cooperation, we're in trouble. Whenever out of a lack of concern and love and feeling, doing your own thing becomes more important than doing his will. We're in trouble. And one of the things that the first people, who are called Christians, 
did was to dare to care for their own. And in sitting down and talking and in listening and in praying with each other, they united that group together through what I call the unity of concern. And when people feel they are being cared for and others are concerned about them, they are united and become a part of something bigger than themselves. It was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians, and I think it was because they dared to care for their own, and also because they dared to share with all of them. The church wasn't too old down there in Antioch when word came from Judea that a famine had hit the land and the people up there in the area of the mother church in Jerusalem had no food. And these young members of the church of Jesus Christ said this must not be and they took up an offering. And the Bible distinctly says that they said amongst themselves, each one of us will give whatever he can. And they sent money and probably clothes and probably food through Barnabas and Saul to the church in Jerusalem with the hope that they would dispense all of this to the people who are in need. And we have then in Antioch perhaps the first, the first church relief fund. And all because these people dared to share what they had with others who had not. I think that's one of the reasons why I was in Antioch that these people were first called Christians. Because it always impresses us, does it not, when somebody, when somebody out of a anything but a selfish heart is willing to give so much of what he has so that others might have. That's why in the last two weeks some of us have been very silently mourning. That's why some of us who make the annual pilgrimage every April kind of hate to do so this year because it's going to be very hard to look out into right field and not see that familiar truck and those fantastic catches and that rifle arm. So much in these past two weeks has been said and done. And our good Lord who created him has received so many different types of prayers from all types of churches of different languages all throughout the world where this man who was a professed Baptist for the life of Roberta Clementi. And I think, I really do, that history will have a very difficult time in trying to decide for what this man should be remembered. The many talents which God gave to him in life or the way that he gave 
his life. And I honestly believe that what history will record in days yet to be lived, that that man shall be remembered in centuries perhaps to come, not because of the gifts which he so marvelously used and which God first gave to him, but rather for the gifts that he gave in giving his own life. Because, you see, that's the way it is in life, ladies and gentlemen. History will judge you and me, not only as individuals but as Christians, not by what we have been given, but rather by what we give whether it be in our time, our talents, our money, or our lives. The people in the church at Antioch knew that, and that's why they were called Christians. It's very interesting to note that that name was put upon them not by choice of themselves, but rather it was put on them by perhaps their enemies. Those individuals who looked at these people doing daring, sharing, caring, lovable things. And they could not explain or understand such actions apart from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. They could not explain those people apart from Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ apart from those people. And ladies and gentlemen, when the, our friends and yes, our foes look at you and me and cannot explain Jesus Christ without us and us without Jesus Christ, then you and I have the right to be called Christian. Amen. Our Father and our God, help us in this life to know who we are and to fulfill the role to which we have been called. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.